0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Columbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martini's coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Thanks to Chad Benson for filling in for me Thursday and Friday. And Jim also for some extra lifting while I was gone. I appreciate that. And today is going to be our midterm election preview. One martini each on House. Senate and governorships with our predictions thrown in. Jim, I applaud you for even being able to focus on this today after the Jets beat the Bills. Very impressive. Six and three. Uh, This has been a year of a lot
1: of like really huge wins that just have me beside myself, pinching myself. It seems absolutely true. And Greg, have you noticed that every time we beat a team, they go into a tailspin and no longer become impressive anymore. And beating them does become a big deal. (laughs) <laughs> Browns, Steelers, Packers, Dolphins are still six and three. Um, Denver wasn't all that great, That they're you know so my my expect expectation now is that, you know, now wow, the Jets beat the Bills and they were six and one. You know what's gonna happen is that you know now the Bills will go into a tailspin and no one will be impressed, but that part I won't mind so much. <laughs>
0: Well, see, I want to see how this reflects on your predictions now, because beating the Bills, you know, Mm. you're kind of whistling through the day. Oh, yeah, we can take that one. We can take that one. If you had lost to, like, you know, the Texans yesterday or something, you'd be like, no, nothing's going to work out. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. But let's jump in. Let's start with the U.S. Senate. This one's the tough one for me, Jim. Uh, There's a lot of opportunities here for Republicans but everything is just so darn tight that my conservative nature is trying to keep my expectations pretty conservative here. So, uh, you know, you got a lot of toss-up races from Pennsylvania to Arizona. Some might even say New Hampshire. Uh, Nevada's certainly there. Georgia, uh, obviously. There's some Republicans need to hold, but it looks like they're widening their leads, like North Carolina and Ohio looks pretty safe now. And so... Depending on the night, it could be a swing of a seat or two one way or the other. It could be uh, a decent Republican night, or you know, if everything breaks the right way, like 2014, it could be a really, really good Republican night in the Senate. So, as of right now, what are you thinking? So, I have Republicans at a 52-48 balance when all is
1: said and done, with two where I'm picking the Democrats, and I think a lot of Republicans still think they got a good chance to win. A whole bunch of them are not competitive. First of all, I think one of the big stories of this cycle has been the races that. Democrats were hoping would be competitive and really weren't. Um, Florida never turned into a really competitive race. Uh, J.D. Vance looks like he's put this thing away. Uh, And it turns out that I think Tim Ryan looked like a good candidate when he had the airwaves to himself and for much of the late spring and early summer. And then, you know, J.D. Vance went up on the air and started running ads. And lo and behold, J.D. Vance started having a, a, you know, very respectable lead. Not, Not huge, but respectable. I never bought into the idea that Evan McMullen was serious competition for Mike Lee. Um, I never bought into that. It was that one poll that had it look close in Iowa. Grassley's going to run away. So yeah, the Democrats don't get any of the big surprises or anything. Um, kind of walking through it here, I'm picking Oz to lose and Fetterman to win. I don't feel confident about that. I do wonder if Pennsylvanians are saying they're going to vote for Fetterman because they don't want to admit they're voting against the guy who just suffered a stroke. But I do, we didn't see that huge surge for Oz after that debate. And I feel like that debate went about as bad as possible for John Fetterman. The fact that he didn't see a huge drop in support or anything like that, I think, should be a useful indicator to us. The next time somebody says, oh, I think the debate was a big factor. Apparently, debates are not big factors. We are an era of partisanship where Democrats can see the guy go up on stage, really struggle to communicate, and still say, yep, that's my guy. So I think... This is a very tough state for Republicans to win. I think it's going to be Fetterman, but it would not shock me if it's Oz. And credit where it's due. Oz has run a much better campaign than when he started, um, and I think it'll be close. Oh, by the way, one of the things I walked through in today's morning jolt is that we're probably not going to know late Tuesday night who's going to control the Senate. We're probably not going to know well into Wednesday. Pennsylvania and Wisconsin are warning it's going to take a long time to count because we can't count the mail-in ballots until Election Day. So that's complication number one. Uh, Georgia, I think Herschel Walker is going to win, but I think that one goes to a runoff. Uh, the Libertarian candidate's been consistently getting 2 3%. And I think it's just tough to get 50%. And it's a close race. I think Walker has a slight advantage. I think he too has improved as a candidate, or at least, you know, That abortion story did not end up hurting him significantly. And Warnock's numbers are really lousy for an incumbent in a state that's been pretty darn Republican in what looks like a pretty darn good year for Republicans. So I think Walker wins, but I don't think we know that until December 6th when all is said and done in the runoff. Um, Wisconsin, I think Ron Johnson wins. I think he wins pretty comfortably, but they too are saying it's going to take longer than usual because we can't start counting the votes until Election Day um then kind of you go through the rest of them oh so my big surprise my shocker is I think Don Bolduc wins against Maggie Hassan I keep calling her Hassan and Michael Graham who's a loyal listener keeps correcting me um and you know this is this is kind of one of the shocking surprises but Hassan has had a really low approval rating really low polling kind of lousy the only reason people thought she was a winner because they thought Don Bolduc was too Trumpy too far to the right for the state. I think you know, home heating oil prices are skyrocketing in New Hampshire. It's just a really lousy environment for an incumbent. And I think uh Hassan loses. I'd like to see Joe O'Day win in Colorado, but I don't think that happens. I'd like to see uh Tiffany Smiley knock off uh Patty Murray, but I don't think that happens. Um I don't think Blake Masters wins in Arizona. I think he falls short. This is kind of like this is right up with with Pennsylvania. I think this is a, you know, these are candidates who improved. These are candidates who came out of, you know, divided primaries. These are candidates who faced an enormous fundraising disadvantage, got really competitive and, uh, uh, you know, probably I think you're going to be like kind of like New Jersey, you know, where you're like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe how close it is. But they fall just short. Wouldn't shock me if it went the other way. So I, I'm looking at like 52 seats for
0: Republicans, maybe 54 if they get one or two of those lucky breaks. Okay. Let's just follow up on this. So you say Fetterman wins. So right now that gives the Democrats plus one at 51. Yes. You have uh, Republicans taking over democratically held seats in New Hampshire and Georgia. So you need one more. Is that Nevada? Yes. Okay. With Adam Laxalt. Uh, and then out. Arizona
1: and Pennsylvania are the two bonuses. You know, the, the, the two the could the two extra that could get them up to 54.
0: Gotcha. I am desperately trying to get uh, the math to work out here, but I, by share your instinct, about Fetterman in Pennsylvania I, I hope that it's wrong again and we've beaten this dead horse over and over again but a different nominee I think this would be a pretty clear Republican Greg, bold. that's a
1: terrible thing to call Fetterman. oh oh you just <laughs> meant a metaphor
0: okay <laughs> Uh, But I do think Walker has the edge here, and if it goes to a runoff, which I think it will, and once again it's hanging in the balance, the majority of the Senate, this time I suspect it would actually go to the Republicans because they have uh, the momentum. And so I do think Republicans will pick up either Arizona or Nevada. I'm not sure about both, but I think they... Probably will. You know, that 2010 Harry Reid race still has me spooked when it looked mm. like he was going down and just the organization with the unions and everything turning out the vote. It's pretty hard for a Republican to win statewide in Nevada right now. But uh, some of the polls have showed uh, a widening lead for both Laxalt and Lombardo, the gubernatorial candidate there. So hopefully that one turns over. Uh, it's been hard to find a Blake Masters lead. Uh, the, the question for me is whether Kerry Lake wins by a tiny margin or wins by a lot in the governor's race and i know i'm giving away something there but if she wins by a lot i think she drags blake masters across the line so i'll say 5149 republicans in the end but man i'm not putting a lot of money on that and we shouldn't because you're not supposed to gamble on elections <laughs> now your tax to... bill is your de facto gambling on, on the outcome of elections <laughs> on to house projections and gubernatorial projections in just a little bit but first a note from our great sponsor the moink box Phenomenal steaks, the best bacon I've ever had, amazing chicken, fish, and it arrives right on your doorstep. Moink farmers farm like our
1: grandparents did. And as a result, moink meat tastes like it should because the family farm does it better. The moink difference is a difference that you can taste and you can feel good knowing that you're helping family farms stay financially independent too. Now, you choose the meat that gets delivered in every box. You can choose from ribeyes to chicken breasts to pork chops. To
0: salmon fillets and much, much more. And you can cancel any time. Keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com/slash martini right now. And listeners of the three martini lunch get free filet mignon in every order for a year. You're not going to beat that deal. That's one year of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste, but only for a limited time. So do it now. It's spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com/slash martini. Moinkbox.com/slash martini. All right, Jim, on to the one I'm feeling very bullish about, and that's the House of Representatives. Of course, all 435 seats are up for grabs this year. And Jim and I will now go one by one across the country going through all 435. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to do that. Welcome to a special three-hour edition <laughs> of the Three Martini. <laughs> Exactly. Because, yeah. first of all, we can't. Secondly, uh, most of these seats are going to be uh, very lopsided in one direction or the other. And so, Jim, depending on the uh, forecast you look at, Larry Sabato right now has, I think, 217 or 219 uh, House seats uh, with a a bunch of toss ups still to go. Over at Real Clear Politics, it's Republicans 227, which is nine more than they need. Democrats 174 with 30 for toss-ups. And so, uh, Jim, you and I live in Northern Virginia, where there are two competitive uh, house seats, both currently held by Democrats. So literally every local commercial break is flooded with commercials. And as much as I love Hung Kao and Yesley Vega, uh, I'm going to be glad when all the ads are done here in just a little bit. But uh, of those 34 toss-up house seats, Jim, um, I just playing the odds here, I think it's going to be a decent Republican night. You give them just half of those 34 toss-ups, you're already up to 244. I think a few more break their way. I think 250 might be a little too high, but uh, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. So I'm saying at least mid-240s. That's my really bullish outlook for the House. I am a little below
1: you, but not by much. Um, yeah, so you, you kind of... I, I did look at a few particular races, but by and large, this is one where you're just like, okay, how many are rated this way? How many are rated that way? And how do you think the toss-ups are going to break? And yes, it's worth noting, you very rarely see the toss-ups split 50-50, you know, particularly in a wave year like this. It's more likely two-thirds, three-quarters or something like that. So, I mean, for a while now, I've kind of looked at it and had uh, a GOP house majority somewhere between 229 and 241. Um, and yes, it could go higher, you know, but that's, that's where you're like, okay, they sweep them and then they start winning some of the leans Democrat races, which could happen. I'm I'm not disputing that's, you know, within the range of possibilities. Uh, I, you know, did the, you know, the back of the envelope math and came up with a 235 to 200, uh, split in favor of Republicans. And for anybody that's like, oh, that that doesn't sound very good. Well, actually, if you look at the, you know, the, the largest house majorities we've had in recent memory have been like 241, 245. So I'm seeing some people, uh, including folks I respect a great deal, like Ed Morrissey saying, oh, I think, you know, uh, I'm going to say, you know, 245 is my under. And I think uh, people I've seen people predicting Republicans winning, you know, 40 seats, 50 seats. Look, because they're starting at 212, there just aren't that many competitive races out there. They're, they've got a really high floor they're starting with. So the number of seats they flip are going to seem kind of modest for a wave year. But you look at the total amount of house, of house seats they have. And it's going to be very impressive compared to historical periods. Um, So I'm a little below you, Greg, but it would not shock me if if you were, you know, it was closer to there. And we'll see how it shakes out. But again, we're looking at a GOP House majority. And it's probably going to be sizable enough that Kevin McCarthy's not having headaches all the time probably just some of the time.
0: (laughs) The thing I can't get out of my mind about the House race is when we saw that poll about the breakdown in competitive districts, because so many of these aren't competitive. And the Republicans were up easily in in double figures uh, in the competitive districts, I think, which was anything from, you know, at least lean Democratic to lean GOP, maybe even the likeliest thrown in there as well. But if you look at the seats that are considered toss ups, at least on the real clear politics uh, breakdown, 29 of them currently held by Democrats, four by Republicans. So uh, you got a great opportunity here. Uh, and even a bunch that uh, lean GOP, currently 17 of those uh, held by Democrats out of the 29 that they have in that category. So uh, a little bit of a wave could be a big deal uh, on the House side. So uh, I think that is going to be the uh, least stressful thing about election night 2022. All right, Jim, on to uh, our governorships now. And uh, this is one I'm, again, going to be uh, pretty conservative on. We know what the big races are, and we know what ones are kind of trending away from you know, even competitiveness like Florida and Georgia. And I think uh, there might be some house coattails with Ron DeSantis, especially in Florida. Uh, the big uh, governors races that, that we've been watching, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, Nevada, Oregon, amazingly, is uh, potentially leaning towards Republicans even because it's a a three-way race up there. Uh, And so I don't think there's going to be a ton of turnover here, but I'm curious to hear what you think is going to be the outcome in some of these big races. Well, I'll begin with what I think is the, you know, which are not exactly huge, you know, shocking surprises, but I think
1: are are significant. Yeah, Ron DeSantis is going to win. I do think he cracks double digits. And because Florida is one of the states, ironically, considering 2000, has a really good vote counting system. And they count them very fast. They count them very smoothly. They count them very uh, uh, openly and transparently. And oh, by the way, they start counting them before election day when these turn, when you turn your votes in early. So I think Florida. I think the poll. I can't remember where the polls close, but basically, like almost immediately after the polls close, they will declare Ron DeSantis as won another term. And I think as the night goes on, you're going to hear a lot of talk about it because they won't have results from the other big races. <laughs> so I think you're going to hear a lot of chatter on on election night about Ron DeSantis' big win there. Um, I also think hopefully this will be the end of Charlie Crist. I think this is, uh, I think it could be, you know, beyond 10 points to 11, 12, 13, maybe even 14, 15 points. And that will be a wipeout and people will say, all right, it's time for Charlie Crist to go back to doing law firm commercials. Uh, I also think this is the end, or at least I hope this is the end of Stacey Abrams and Beto O'Rourke. Both of them are going to get blown out. Uh, it's just a question of how big I think, you know, Abbott's got a very good chance of hitting double digits. Uh, which would say, you know, okay, you know, running against Ted Cruz in 2018 was kind of a fluky year. Ted Cruz may not be as popular as the average Republican. Greg Abbott may be more popular than the average Republican. I think Stacey Abrams has been a disaster for Democrats. I, I think that her insisting that she was the true winner made her look like a joke in the eyes of a lot of people who might have otherwise been interested in her. I think she's actually got terrible instincts. Remember the infamous photo of her with the kindergartners not wearing a mask while all the kids were wearing masks? I think this is an you know this will be the end of the Vanity Fair candidates. I think this will be a sign that okay, it's time for uh, Democrats to get serious. Stop trying to appeal to New York liberal glossy magazine editors. Stry- you know, if you want to win the South, be John Bell Edwards, be a pro gun, pro life, otherwise liberal Democrat, and you can get a lot more done. Um, I think Republicans win Oregon. I think Republicans win Nevada. They've had small polling leads throughout the whole time. I think Carrie Lake wins, and I think, as you said, yeah, this is the kind of the fulcrum of maybe all the other races. She'll probably win by at least, the polls, would tell you she's going to win by two, three, four points. If she goes higher than that, six, seven, eight, something like that, then you can see Masters winning. And yes, I do believe that a GOP star is being born, just great natural skills, etc. There are a couple other states where I'm, I'm going to be a. Oh, uh, also I think Republicans win Wisconsin. Uh, I'm building up to New York, which uh, I'm going to save that towards the end. Um, also, I think maybe uh, I think Republicans have a really good shot of knocking off Laura Kelly in uh, in Kansas. There are a couple of states where Republicans have been close, but the margins has been like four or five points. And it just feels like a lot, even in a wave year. I think Republicans come close but no cigar in New Mexico, in Minnesota, and in Michigan. I'd love to see Republicans win in all those. I think they've got candidates who generally turned out to be better than expected. And it's a way I'm not it's not impossible, but I just wanted to see the the numbers close a bit more in these final days. Look, maybe Trafalgar has it right. Maybe everybody else has it wrong, and we're gonna see, oh my goodness, Republicans overperformed by seven, eight, nine percentage points. I, I don't think I see it yet. So uh, sorry to give you the bad news about your home state or your old home state of, of Michigan. And I'm going to, I'm going to go with my heart instead of my head. My head says, look, Lee Zeldin had a chance. He's do- a really good candidate. Hockle's a terrible candidate. The issue environment is about as good as it can get for Republicans, but New York is such a democratic state. Zeldin's not close enough. Hockle will hang on. And Oh, oh, by the way, one of the things that probably will cause Hockle to hang on is, um, the sense that you can sneak up on people. Uh, and the, the Democrats knew they were in trouble. So they rushed all the money. They rushed all the big names. They did everything they can. And that will probably save Hackel. But my heart says no, that she's too bad a candidate and Zeldin is too good and New York has suffered too much. So I'm going to pick Zeldin. I'm going to go with my heart over my head. And, uh, you know, if I get it wrong, forget I ever said it.
0: Yeah, you got some nice, fun upsets here. I feel like I'm a little too conservative on some of these, but I think you're largely right. Um I... I don't know yet about Oregon, but I think there's a good chance there. I think people are just finally fed up if they aren't completely dyed in the wool, you know, actual in the streets protesters there. Uh, I'm hopeful for Nevada. But again, the whole get out the vote situation seems like an advantage for Democrats. But, you know, John Ralston, who keeps a, a daily track of the early vote. Uh, things have been looking a little bit better for Democrats in the early vote, but not nearly as good as it usually has been. So, um, uh, we'll see if, uh, Republicans turn out in the expected numbers on election day and that could actually be a big thing. Yeah. I think Kerry Lake wins. I think she wins probably by five or six. Katie Hobbs is just a horrible, horrible candidate. And uh, if she wins by anything more than that, I think that that does mean Blake Masters wins. My surprise is going to be New Mexico. I think Ron Ketty actually does mm. beat Michelle Lujan Grisham. Um, I have to think her scandal and just the way she's handled things. And then there's another controversy about her getting uh, debate questions ahead of time in the last few days. So uh, depending on how many people are still actually voting on Election Day there, I think uh, the momentum might uh, turn against her there, which would be good for holding onto a key House seat there as well. I also agree with you on Kansas, and I'm cautiously optimistic about Wisconsin. I'm 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 with you on New York in the head versus heart department, except I got to go with my head. I just think the the blue bias in, in, in general in New York is too much to overcome, even in this situation. But I would love to be wrong uh, in a George Pataki-style upset there. I really, really, really want Gretchen Whitmer to lose, but I think you're right. We haven't seen anything that's really put Tudor Dixon you know, ahead by enough to say that that's likely going to happen. Expecting uh, her to do well enough in the Detroit suburbs to get it done is might be a bridge too far. But if I'm ever wrong about a race this year, that's the one I want to be wrong about. So in the end, I think the, the Republicans have a pretty good night in the governorships, but uh, they're going to fall just short in a couple others. So I don't feel like we are that much different on a lot of stuff, Jim, as I was you know, thinking about this and we were going through it, especially on the Senate side, you know, Republicans sometimes pick candidates that we thought were a little questionable in the primaries, but we never mentioned the Missouri Senate race. And for that, I'm incredibly, incredibly thankful to the Republican voters in Missouri that we're not having to talk about whether Eric Greitens can win a Senate seat and said it's going to be Eric Schmidt and he's uh, likely going to win by a lot. So I was going to say, dear Republican voters, do you see what happens when you don't nominate maniacs? It can be done. You stay like that,
1: you win. You're okay, great. You know, you see what happens when you don't do Roy Moore. When you don't do,
0: you know, the, the most controversial. You start when you don't treat it like a reality show. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah amazing. Well, again, if we're uh, pretty close to right, you'll hear all about it on Wednesday. We'll at least mention it on Wednesday if we're wrong. But we'll be getting in a pretty bad mood if we are. Uh, Jim, have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already, and please tell a friend about us as well. Also, thank you for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please, please keep those coming. Also, get us on your home devices. All you have to do is say, play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Do not forget about Jim's brand-new book, Gathering Five Storms. Fantastic uh, idea for a holiday gift, along with the short story, Saving the Devil. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. It is election week, and we're hoping for a lot of good martinis on Wednesday. But the best way for that to happen is for you to get out and vote. Uh, make sure you get out there and do that and remind everyone uh, that you know to do so as well. So have a great day and join us again on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. The midterm election is finally here, and these two candidates are looking to bring sanity back to Washington. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, we are joined by Connecticut Senate candidate Leora Levy and Arizona House candidate Kelly Cooper to discuss the biggest issues for voters as we head to the polls. Follow the Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.